Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of You, Me and the GP. Uh, today uh, I'm here, I'm Rich Clark, I'm here with uh, Mark Daniels and John Anderson. And uh, we're going to be discussing today uh, oral hygiene and the link between oral hygiene and uh, total bodily health. Could hopefully shine some uh, light on it. So without further ado, I want to um, see uh, if John will share with us how you became a dentist and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, John, and uh, where you're from. I'm from Neath and I qualified as a dentist back in 1984. So I'm coming up to 30 years in practice next year. So I've had lots of experiences over the years. And, uh, I probably decided from a fairly young age I wanted to go into dentistry. I wanted to do something some practical in the medical world. And so I qualified in 1984 and started my clinical career then in a practice in Morriston, area of Swansea. And, um, it was there that I became ill myself and realised that all I'd been taught in dental school wasn't the be all and end all of dentistry. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how come? I was working in a room that had no ventilation and banging in mercury fillings and I became quite toxic because of all the mercury that I was breathing in at the time. And it was before the days of the internet and you had to really search for knowledge and luckily I was put in touch with someone who just set up a group called the British Mercury Free Dental Society. And this was, uh, as you see, a good 20 odd years it ago? It was back in probably 1986, yeah, so 25 years. Good. And started meeting like minded people. And who experienced the negative effects themselves. Negative effects so. And were aware of the research that was already out there, even at that time. 25 years ago, mm. 27 years ago, mm. whatever, and started meeting like-minded people, going on similar courses to them, and to basically increase my knowledge and continue to increase my knowledge every day since. And, um, I, I don't want to labour the mercury uh, topic at no. the moment, because we are going to record a separate, whole separate podcast on that, and we are yeah, going to try to stick with all agency, yeah. but tell... Um, I was going to say now, tell everybody um, what happened when you first went mercury free with regards to the press. Oh, I ended up on the front of the Evening Post. As some sort of 
nutter. Nutter, some sort of quack. Yeah, some sort of and, quack. And um, it's probably taken the profession. Mm. Well, best part. From there it. until yeah. now to realise that mm. I was right. Yes. They were yeah. wrong because yeah. there is a worldwide ban coming in. Please. Within the next five years. For Mercury, yeah, not to be put in. Uh, not to be used yeah, in yeah. dentistry. They've even banned it in Africa uh, yeah. at the moment. It's banned in Africa, but not the UK, so. Uh, yeah, you can use it. Do people still use Mercury fillings here now? Yes. Yeah. Is, is it common or is it mainly non Mercury now? It's in the NHS, dentistry, it's very common. Right. Yeah. It's free. It's the only free type of filling you can have. You can't. You can't get non-mercury fillings. No. If you ask for a white filling, you have to pay. Right. Okay. Um, in in a dentist near here, anyway, and um, from what I get told by to friends and family. So, so the NHS dentists can't give white fillings without. Well, well, they can, but they charge they extra. Choose, they choose not to. They're going out of their comfort zone. Right. As they've been used to doing. So mercury amalgam, so yeah. that's what they're happy to and do. It, it, and mercury, uh, as you say, without going uh, to... A lot of, lot of dentists don't see that there's a problem. Mm. They haven't looked at the research. And that's what I was going to say, mercury, without mm. going into it any further now than we have already. It's, it's bloody good for fillings, <laughs> but it's not good for us, sort of thing. Um, so uh, it is a, it's, it's, you know, the pros and cons of it, sort of thing. But anyway, so going now, I'll bring it back to uh, topic. Mark... I was going to ask you, before John, obviously, to explain to us, as a GP, where do you see the link between the mouth and the rest of the body affecting your patients? Well, the first thing, if anyone comes into the GPs with a dental problem, we send them to the dentist. Good. <laughs> because... <laughs> and they well, do? Do they? They do present? Oh, they do, constantly. Well, yeah. I wish you mad every day. Well, we have signs everywhere saying, if you've got a dental problem, go to the dentist. Because it's like asking a plumber to do an electrician's work. We don't know anything about dental problems apart from, you know, you can see an, an abscess, but you still really shouldn't treat it because we do not know the best treatment for an abscess for a dental problem. And also, I mean, in my own experience, we've had uh, a gum tumour that we, we, you know, we sent to a dentist. If we, if we tried to treat that ourselves and thought, looked at it and thought, oh, that's an abscess or something or something like that, and gave them antibiotics, they wouldn't have done so well. So it's very important that the people understand the difference between a dentist and, do and a doctor, but... I think there is crossover because dental health does impact on your own overall health. And any, anywhere where you can get infection in easily is going to impact on your health. I mean, if, if you've got bleeding gums, you are going to get infection in easily. But I mean, John's more of an expert on this than me, for sure. So I'll let John carry on with that. Yeah, even on The Simpsons, they knew about this. On The Simpsons, right? Bleeding gums, Murphy. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Had problems and uh, yeah. killed him. Right. He died bleeding gums. He died bleeding gums. Yeah. A very good factoid there. Yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah, so, to tell everybody, John, what the, what the big link is then, if they've got bleeding gums, how kind of, why is that bad? If you've got bleeding gums, it's like they couldn't have a big ulcer on your hand. A big open... Big open wound. The size of a... Say, 50 pence piece mm. on your hand, the surface area of the affected gums would be equivalent to that. That's an open portal for bacteria to get into your bloodstream, and then they, once they get in there, they're having a party, they're whittling around the body, Let me, uh, and they'll, go they'll find the weak spot in the body mm. and lodge there. We've, some latest research I heard about when I was over in Vegas in September 
some people have been taking on, on a conference by the way <coughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they were doing knee replacements they were looking at the old joints that had been taken out of the body and analyzing what was in them and there were bacteria that belong in the mouth in these joints in the joints and the, the only way they got there is from the bleeding gums or the hygiene so, and the right so there's a lot of studies now yeah. linking arthritis mm. to the bacteria in the mouth it's early days mm. in a lot of this research and it's going to be ongoing let me just uh, kind of go back to that a second because it's something I really wanted to get across today. Normal route for getting ill would be a virus or a bacteria would have to enter your system. Usually you, you ingest it and it goes through the, the yeah, kind of, or breathe, breathe it in, in. Uh, in the air. Thank you, the doctors. Uh, and then that will go to the gut and then it will try to break the, the barrier in the gut and then if it's successful in that then you potentially have got a virus sort of uh, into the bloodstream uh, as it were. Is that a fair enough uh, description yeah, I mean, there? You can get it through the lungs as well but I mean it's, mm. the gut is the commonest place. Right. So if you have bleeding gums the virus and bacteria basically doesn't have to do any of that journey. So it's, it's, it's just it's straight yeah. in the mouth and it's straight into the bloodstream so it doesn't even have to go uh, via the gut. So it's really a big um, immune system kind of, it's a big negative to the immune system if you have bleeding gums because it, it does reduce your immunity uh, o o overall. So there we are. I just wanted to make that yeah. clear point there. Go, go on, John. Another is cardiovascular disease. I believe that the cardiovascular disease starts with the weakening of the arterial walls. As they weaken, so inflammatory mediators and fatty deposits enter, forming the atheromas and the, the plaques within the vessel wall. When these grow, they then be covered, become covered by thin, sort of fibrous tissue. And then when that ruptures, that's when you get a roughened surface where the platelets stick and you get a clot. And then yeah, if it's in your heart, you end up an heart attack. If yeah. it's in the brain, you end up with a stroke. Mm. So the link between, as you see, the inflammation in the mouth yeah. and uh, inflammatory diseases yeah. is, is, a, is a strong, strong link there. But uh, you were saying that oral bacteria are found in the thrombuses as well. I mean, yeah, they actually found the bacteria yeah. from the mouth found in these thrombus. So, so right in the heart and yeah. all over the body I presume. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah. if you think about heart attacks which half of all men and third of all women have in their life, if you've got oral bacteria in those thrombuses that causes heart attacks then it's a serious problem isn't it? Yeah. So and it's never been really looked at much is it? Yeah, and the first symptom for 25% of people who have a heart attack yeah. is death. Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't get yeah. amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing yeah. statistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's not uh, as you say any warning yeah. out there so uh, it's a bit of housekeeping people really need to. So, if we're talking about great oral hygiene, I, I don't want to obviously tell people how to suck eggs here, but a couple of tips, John. I, I'd just say I, I know the answers probably. I sort your bloody brushing out and, and look Got after you. Yeah. But flossing mm. and the interdental brushes mm. probably remove 50% more plaque again. Right, yes. Uh, and I, I wasn't the inside and the outside, you're missing mm. all the bits in between. When I was a patient of the NHS, John, 
I used to ask for a, a scale and a polish now and then, and, and he'd sort of give it a bit of an extra clean and, and all this sort of stuff. And then the first time I ever came to you, you said, would I like to see the hygienist? Now, I wasn't aware that there were such things as hygienists separate to the dentist, and would it, for me that made a big difference, um, because I had bleeding gums and, and things like that. Now, is that something NHS patients have access to, or do they... Would they need to just go and you know kind of see somebody and get a hygiene appointment? But as you said, you probably can get scale and polish on the NHS, which is going to basically clean all off yes. the stain and yeah. remove any tartar that's built up just mm. on the surface. But really, to get down into the defect in the gun, which we call a pocket, yeah. takes time. Need someone specially trained to do a hygienist. Are those people? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And within those pockets, right on the sensitive parts, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't they? Within yeah. those uh, pockets, you've got lots of bacteria that are different from the ones in the mouth, and they form something called a biofilm, hmm. which then produces colonies of different bacteria. Within that pocket, then you get these breakdowns and. The ulceration, so they've got access into your bloodstream. Immediately. And some of the research coming out of America now, where they're looking at the, the DNA and the genetics of it, they're linking specific bacteria to specific diseases. Wow, really taking yeah. it to another level of uh, detail. They found, one, they found one bacteria that is commonly occurring in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Right. I know you've got a keen interest in that. Um, yeah, I lost my father last year. So tell me then, obviously you've got that way of coming out the mouth, cleaning it, God forbid, that people should actually look after their mouth. Mm. And I know you told me, you know, the best thing is, is to look after your teeth as a kid so that, 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 you know, if anybody got kids out there, then really kind of make sure they, they look after it. But coming at it from another angle, nutritionally, your diet can affect uh, your oral hygiene and your health. Obviously, we know yeah. that. Tell me more about uh, how, how food can help the, the mouth become healthier, John. Well, obviously, sugar is the bad one mm. for the mouth because that's one of the things that causes the decay. And the bacteria are in the, the caries and the decay. Mm. They can lead to systemic problems. Yes. Uh, obviously, diet full of veg and fruit. So it's healthy raw, body, raw enzymes, raw food, yeah. and yes, yes. You're putting all the right nutrients into your body then, so you're controlling the inflammatory process. Okay. So basically a diet which is along the anti-inflammatory route. Yeah. Okay. If you want an anti-inflammatory diet, it's really set me up good for this, so I have to say head on over to the blog, sign up, uh, richard-clark.co.uk, and I've written an anti-inflammatory, five-day anti-inflammatory diet plan, um, because again through the series of the podcast we'll speak more about inflammation but you know at a very young age I soon realised that inflammation links everything together um, with regards to ill health or lots of things uh, together with ill health so that would be a good uh, resource for you to, to get hold of um, and a good diet rich in um, veg and fruit hmm. controls something called C-reactive protein right yes yes one of the inflammatory markers. Markers, yes. I'm glad you this in America that. are starting to test for. Mm. 
I'm aware of a test, but it isn't available in the UK mm. yet. But well, got some good news for you on that, though, in a second. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we do that. So this C-reactive um, protein biomarker, Mark, you want to tell everybody a little bit about that? And uh, well, basically, it's a, it's a very, it's a, a slightly crude marker, but the market tells you the overall inflammation in the body. So if you've got uh, C-reactive protein under one, it's low inflammation. If you're going up in the 10, 20, 30, you've got more and more inflammation. If you're up in the 80s, 90s, you've got a serious illness that's causing this C-reactive protein. There's certain illnesses that can cause it. You've got TB, you'll have a high C-reactive protein. If you've got a cancer, you'll have a high C-reactive protein. Right. And But general low-level inflammation that people can have, they could have a, a C-reactive protein of 10, 11. Now, a lot of doctors will say, oh, that, that's normal. Well, in fact, it's not. Normal's under one. Right. But, you know, go on. No, normal. It's probably normal in Wales. Normal in Wales. Wales might be tiny in Wales. Sorry. Yeah. If I see someone with a CX protein over one, I say to them, you've got some inflammation in your body. You need to sort something out about that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, most people would say CX protein under sort of 10, 20. Even the lab says I think it's under 10 is normal. Well, actually, under one, we feel it's preferred. Yeah, in America, thing. Yeah. they actually measure it to the point. So, I mean, you see some, you see some of these websites, and they say my ATX reading was not point six two five. I want to get it down to not point three one or whatever. Right, yes. And we we don't even measure that. But we but anything, but anything under one is okay. All right. right. So, if anyone gets their reactive protein measured, ask what the result is. Don't just say what you know. Is it normal? Mm. Say what's the result. And if they say it's ten, but it's normal, well, that's not really normal. You want to be lower than that. Brilliant. John, tell everybody about um, the machine you told me about, which a new machine you have, which it, it tests for, I'm not quite sure the name of it, you tell me about it, but you, you scan or you, you, you kind of... We test for the bacteria. Is that, is that the there's one? A, uh, a, I know you've got all sorts. John's a very advanced dentist. and a lab test where we can put a little bit of paper. No, no, the thing with for the cancer. Oh, my light. Yes. Yeah, all IB light just fluoresces in the mouth and if there's any early cancer changes it shows them as a black dot mm. so we can pick it up mm. before it's actually visible to the naked eye. Is that cancer in the mouth? Yeah, all cancer. All cancer, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's I've only just had it within the last sort of three expensive? weeks. Well, I'm actually running the test on all my patients and not actually charging yeah, them. Yeah. I'm, no, but it's the machine. The machine was, yeah, it was, I spent a couple of thousand pounds getting hold of this. Mm. It's from abroad as well, isn't it's it? It's from America. From America. John's the only, It's the only one of these machines in Britain, probably the whole of Europe. And tell me why you decided to go for that then, John, if you're not going to charge and make any money off it. What's, uh, what's your thinking there? Uh, if I can save one life yeah. by detecting all cancer early. Mm. As a health professional, yeah, yeah. I've done my job and it's paid for itself Good 20 man. times over. Just for the care. How accurate is it? Because I mean, it sounds like it's a fabulous sort of uh, yeah. bit of kit. If you find something, you then refer yeah. up to the hospital. They'll do a biopsy and confirm. In fact, have, you, have you had any positives yet or is it too early to early days? I have actually had three suspicious ones within three weeks. Oh dear. <laughs> but... Uh, two of them I've seen on a second occasion and retested yeah. and I'm happy that sure. they must have had something going on in their mouth maybe just been a simple ulcer which would also show right. that but there is one lady who's a heavy smoker 
Um, refer there on because mm. I'm sure there is something going on there. Um, even if it sort of has the effect of frightening her into stopping smoking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah. if it isn't there now, it could be there in another five years' time if she continues smoking. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And um, obviously jumping around a bit here, but you have a new. Talking about oral hygiene, obviously you get tooth decay. Talk to me, John, about the best options for filling. Start with the sexy option of the new um, ozone. Did I get yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. New ozone machine. Tell everybody about that. I'm very uh, interested in this. And if I touch wood, get any fillings, uh, need any fillings, I'll be using this. Right, it's something that I've ordered this week. Yeah. I haven't even taken delivery of it yet. Yeah. I was telling Richard about it last night. <laughs> He's ahead of the game here. Yeah. No, basically, if we can detect something very early, which little cavity. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. little cavity early, which I've got a machine that will do that as well, which will detect it before it's visible. Mm. We can apply ozone to the cavity and then put remineralizing substances onto that area, hopefully prevent it. So remineralizing the tooth. Listen to that's that. Impressive, yeah. You know, that's yeah. reversing a cavity almost, isn't yeah. it? Ozone uh, will kill 99.9% of the bacteria yeah. for the present. Yeah. And this is the direction the dentistry is going, obviously, so some exciting stuff. It is in uh, my practice. In your, of course, in your practice. <laughs> Not you, everywhere. No, no. But that's, you know, do they go to America at least once a year? Mm. That's the way they're doing it over there. Obviously, and people's question on their mind now, tell everybody your... Um, business name and where they can find out more about if they want to come. People come over from all over the UK to see John. Yeah, we're at Gardenside Dental Centre, which is in Victoria Gardens in Neath. Telephone number. Yeah, if we want, they can give the girls a ring there. Yeah, go for it. 01639 644460. And it's just, uh, you can Google um, that uh, business as well. It's GDC. Neath.co.uk, something like that, is it? Oh, uh, com, dot perhaps. com, whichever. You'll find it, won't take, take you long <laughs> to find that. We just so, put my name in the camera. There's, okay, so we've gone through, we've done the oral, kind of poor oral health and the link between that and the body and the link between that and inflammation. We've spoken about the kind of, um, um, uh, what else did we, we cover there? Then we spoke about some... Uh, the heart disease and things mm. like that. Diabetes is the other one. Right, so there we are, um, perfect. Thank you for the Tell me, John, similar to Dr. Mark, uh, yeah, how many people have you diagnosed as diabetic because of their mouth? I'm, as a dentist, I can't actually diagnose right, diabetes. Right, oh, sorry, wrong, I used the wrong word. I can yes. Diagnose gum disease and suspect they've got diabetes mm. and then refer them up back to their GP. Yeah. But studies have shown that 93% of diabetics have got gum disease. Right, okay, so it's not any uh, big uh, thing but for you really, by, that's not a difficult by, thing. By to... controlling the gum disease and helping them to heal their gums, the diabetic markers drop, they've got less drugs and so Mark was saying last uh, couple of podcasts or a podcast or so ago that you 
type 2 diabetes, Mark, you were able to see some great... Go yeah, if you, if, you, um, if you stop sort their diet out, you can get great results on uh, reducing their drug needs and also you can even actually reverse it in type 2, especially if you get it early enough. You can actually make them non-diabetic. I mean, not many diabetics are willing to change their, their diet because they became diabetic because of their diet. So it is, it is more difficult. Wired, yeah. it's, it's more difficult. But you do, if you have a person who is committed to their health, they can make a big difference with their diet to their diabetes. In fact, if not clear it. And then you're saying exactly the same probably from your end of things. So oh, yeah, it's all part of the part switching of the to a more holistic sort of approach to health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, want to cover a couple more topics now. Tell everyone what you told me about the link between the mouth and then the, the two front teeth, for example, and knee injuries. Oh, yeah, I've got a chart that I refer to, which I think has come from Chinese medicine. It's hmm. probably been used for like 5,000 years. They basically link the teeth to all the energy lines called meridian lines and the Chinese acupuncturists the word out yes. they treat it that way reflexologists use the same yeah. idea I, I, I use similar systems with my massage they've shown that each tooth is related to one of these lines mm. and two front teeth top front teeth Yeah, we find a lot of patients who've had Treatment or root fillings on these teeth. Knocked out, or whatever, footballers and rugby players. Have damage there. Are the ones who have the knee problems. Mm. Look on the chart. The meridian is matched directly through front teeth, directly straight to those two knees. And again, some of this stuff, it's it's just our opinion at the end of the day. It's very difficult to prove lots of science. um, But there was also a, a big link we made between... Again, and we don't know if this is right, but the, my dad had a cancerous tumour on his spine, didn't he? Yeah, that's and, right. And um, he's recovered and he's healed now, but what we did as part of his treatment was we had a root canal removed. And at the time, John didn't mention it to my dad because you just mentioned it to me because we were, we were friends and stuff, but the, the tooth that the root canal was in was was linked to the exact spot where the um, tumour was in his back. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. whether it's, it's well, it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's right or wrong or whatever, yeah. but I find this really interesting. And if you are interested in things, well, I was we're on the topic now. Let's There's a lot of controversy on root canals. The dental profession about root canals and cancer at mm. the moment on one of our forums has been debated. Right, it's going right off, isn't the it? the last month or so. Right. And the general consensus amongst the dental profession is a it's a load of rubbish. Well, as in they're dismissing it, they just dismiss it and say you know, it can't be true. Yes, but yeah, there's a there's yeah. a there's a book called the Root Canal Cover Up, which I think would be good for people as a first point to read, and it's written by a chap who put root canals in for twenty five years. And what did they? They uh, extracted um, root canal teeth. Hmm. Put them under the fur. Well, this was a Western price, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes. rabbits. Yeah, under the skin of them, yeah. And like, if a person who'd had a tough extracted was riddled with arthritis, mm. the rabbit picked up all the same Literally symptoms. within days, within days, uh, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. 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 So check that out, that's a Western <laughs> price. What, um, what would you suggest to do with the people who've got root canals then? What's the. If it's, well, go on, John's the dentist. 
I've had this discussion, unfortunately. They probably yeah, need two, so that's why I'm thinking. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had 13 well, mercury. They probably need to be x-rayed to see if there's any sign of any disease yeah. around them. Underneath, isn't it? The only choice is to... Well, there's two choices. Or three choices, actually. One is to do nothing except yeah. that there's a problem. One is to attempt to redo the root filling. Right. Using things like laser and ozone to try and kill off the bacteria. And the third one is to extract the whole thing. And offer a fourth option? Implant. Take it out and put an implant well, in yeah, Once you've extracted then you've got different options to replace it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was on and, um, the old uh, social yeah. media recently having a big debate. One of my other clients is also a dentist and he is not as perhaps holistic as John. He's more kind of old school and he was he was spot on in fairness what he said he said the reality of it is if it's a cosmetic one as in it's a front facing tooth you've either got the option to have it out and have a gap or have a post or a root canal as they also refer to have a post put in because most people can't afford two grand for an implant which is that's a fair point so he said that that's the reality of people's choices really uh, with it and mm. um well, we'd uh, recommend having a gap in your mouth before you had a post, John, wouldn't we? Um, you know, I think uh, from what I've read about them, anyway, that's my own personal opinion. Um, so, uh, if, you take, if you take back teeth out there, then mm-hmm. you can mess the occlusion up. Right. And that <coughs> can create systemic effects, because if you, your bite isn't right and your mm-hmm. jaw joints start to go out of alignment, that can put muscle tension so into your neck. So in theory, it's worth having a right. root canal in that so, instance then. So, yeah, yeah. When, if you have a tooth out, you need to replace it with something. Mm. Otherwise, yeah, your other teeth start to drift into the spaces and it just causes imbalances. But then Richard wants that because he likes massaging people when they've got bad backs. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to generate that. I um, I just like a nice ugly face, you know, a uh, gap-toothed Welsh um, kind of face. Oh. Leads us lovely, John, on to Ugly Children. <laughs> it's the name of a book, okay? I'm not insulting anybody's children yeah, here. Um, a book called Why Raise Ugly Why Kids. Why Raise Ugly Kids, wow. Tell everybody how that book came about. Obviously, you haven't written it or anything, and uh, no, no complaints uh, to the author, but... Explain the, the title of that book to people I know about it, it's, but you explain it. It's referring to a jaw development. And, What's it called? Cranial? Um, yeah, Craniofacial development. Um, if well, the modern diet causes so the jaws not to develop to their full potential, right. so people often come in and say, oh, my child's got too many teeth. Takes them out. Mm. Basically, the jaws haven't developed right. the full size, so there's not enough space for the teeth to fit in. It's very, very rare that people have got extra teeth. Mm. Is it, where does that link to what's called cretinism? Is that a separate thing, or that's a separate? Right. Okay. I've got those linked up there. Right. Okay. Is that why people come in with it? That's about overbites. Yeah. Where they come in with braces because they've got front teeth sticking out in front of. Lower ones because the upper arch is too narrow, so the lower jaw can't accommodate. Hmm. So quite often, they, they look as if the front teeth are sticking out. Basically, the lower jaw is retruded. It's not grown. And it hasn't come forward to the full potential. And mine has probably come forward a little bit too far. Yes, sir. 
Yeah. The other way around. Yes, yes. Um, and that can lead to, when you've got a protruded lower jaw, that affects the airway. You get the snoring, the sleep apnea. Right, there's a lot of that going on, there's isn't there? There's an awful lot of that around. That's something, again, as a dentist, yeah. we can fit an appliance to try and correct that. Yeah, we're going to link that um, up and mark today your sleep apnea referrals. And so. there's a lot of children that have got sleep apnea, which goes unrecognised. Mm. And you can cure sleep apnea, John, uh, with um, is it a laser thing you have? or No, it's called a, it's a little appliance you wear at night, mm. called a Somnowell. Where do, you, where do you fit it? I just, uh, it fits on the teeth. On the teeth? Yeah, so it basically postures your lower jaw forwards. Right. So by doing that, you open the airway open, yeah. but it opens a bite as well. Does that work for the sort of classic plethoric smoking person who gets CPAP? Does that work for those? It's an alternative to right. a CPAP. Well, CPAP is, I mean, it's a very difficult thing to wear it at yeah. night, and it's like yeah. a big Darth yeah. Vader at night. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more and more people who hate the CPAP yeah. so they're coming in and getting a, an appliance made fantastic instead I don't think they can totally get rid of the CPAP they still right. need that yeah. but like, if you're going on holiday yeah. <laughs> or if you're just, say you're travelling on a plane overnight yeah. you don't know where your CPAP no no no, no. I can't do it for love life I'm thinking it's no, there. No. Uh, the one of the biggest reasons yeah. people come in because yeah. they've been banished to the spare room. And their wife doesn't like sleeping with Daffy either, sort of thing. Yeah. The, seat, yeah. the CPAP sort of makes a noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad, it's just snoring in some yeah. cases. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. fantastic. Um, is there anything else we'd like to chat about there before we, uh, we finish? What about water quality in teeth? Good, yes. Yeah, Good. Which, things, I mean, we, are, I, we aren't fluorinated here, are we? No. But... Um, what about the actual quality of the water? Is it worth everyone says you know, filters? And I've just bought stuff. a whole house one. Yeah, yeah I just wondered, is, is it making a difference to your dental care and everything? Having decent water? I'm or? not aware of any studies right. along that line. It, so, yeah, because for general health, yeah. For general, I, my personal opinion would be, yeah, yeah drink good water because yeah. mm. it be better for you. Mm. Um, what about toothpaste? Yeah, then? that's got me thinking yeah. about exactly about toothpaste. that. Fluoride toothpaste. Personally. I use a fluoridated toothpaste once a week. Right. I use a non-fluoridated one as my my general toothpaste. Right. What's but the gen- What's the general dentist view on fluoridated toothpaste? They say it's good. Get as much in as you can. Right. Okay. And, and then you know, your your view is wag it best. up, wag it up to sort of five thousand parts per million, and uh, there's various pastes with incredibly high levels, and that if you the whole tube was ingested it would kill you yeah. unbelievable yeah. Yeah. so so don't don't go with the fluorinated toothpaste maybe once a week possibly I think it's important to still use it occasionally right. if you have got any demineralisation occurring right. it's just going to put it back and we it does help we sure. don't want cavities mm. sure. yeah. but it depends on people's diet if they're drinking cans of coke and Bags of sweets every day. Mm. They may need fluoride toothpaste. Uh, that actually but is helping them, sort of thing. It's yes. helping to control yeah. that, but the coke usually wins in the end, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In those cases, but I think we're talking to a more educated audience. Yes, certainly are. Yeah. We certainly are. Who Great. want to do something about the health and? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Great. So we covered. I think we've done a lot there. We did. We fluoride everything. Okay. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, John, and thank you, Mark. Um, just a little final bit of housekeeping. If anybody needs any more information about what we've spoken about, head on over to richard-clark.co.uk below. Each episode will be what we call show notes. So that will kind of uh, write, we'll write down anything of interest, websites, email addresses, phone numbers, etc. We'll go put those underneath. Please submit any questions you may have. Um, we'll be getting John back on again. So if you've got any questions for him, please send them in. And obviously, if you've got any questions for myself um, or uh, Dr. Mark Daniels, uh, we would love to have those in. If you email to info at richard-clark.co.uk and we will catch you next time it's uh, bye from me and bye from me and goodbye from me ta you me and the gp radio show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose treat or cure any disease it is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor please note We accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.